Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, June 24th, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, the fire sale on tech companies has begun. More big, important hacks to be aware of. Another crypto bridge has been compromised. Amazon wants you to know about their AI coding tool. TikTok turns on the money spigot. And of course, the weekend long read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Given the current market environment, we should expect more headlines like this, as even high-growth companies have seen their share prices beaten down so much that they're suddenly in play in Wall Street's parlance. Zendesk is set to be acquired by an investor group in an all-cash deal valuing the company at around $10.2 billion and will go private once the deal closes. The stock is up more than 30% this morning on the news, but there was a private equity offer for Zendesk at a $17 billion valuation a mere few months ago. And this is another example, another one of those stocks that has been down significantly, more than 50% from its all-time high, quoting CNBC. The deal led by investment firms Permira and Hellman and Freeman will give shareholders $77.50 per share, a premium of about 34% over the company's closing stock price Thursday, according to the press release. Shares were up about 30% during pre-market trading on Friday. The investment firms plan to take Zendesk private once the deal closes. Also included in the investor group is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority and GIC. Zendesk's board unanimously approved the deal, which it expects to close in the fourth quarter of this year, the company said, end quote. And by the way, this won't just be happening on the public side of things. Also this morning, news that Zomato is acquiring struggling instant delivery service Blinkit, formerly Grofers, for $568.1 million. Blinkit had raised about $700 million in total and was valued at more than $1 billion as recently as 2021. So maybe get used to headlines like that. Sometimes feels like Groundhog Day. We get headlines like this all the time now. Google has detailed the commercial spyware Hermit, used in Kazakhstan and Italy so far, targeting Android and iOS. The iOS version, by the way, has six exploits, including two zero days. Quoting TechCrunch. Hermit is a commercial spyware known to be used by governments with victims in Kazakhstan and Italy, according to Lookout and Google. Lookout says it's also seen the spyware deployed in northern Syria. The spyware uses various modules, which it downloads from its command and control servers as they are needed, to collect call logs, record ambient audio, redirect phone calls, and collect photos, messages, emails, and the device's precise location from a victim's device. Lookout said in its analysis that Hermit, which works on all Android versions, also tries to root an infected Android device, granting the spyware even deeper access to the victim's data. Lookout said the targeted victims are sent a malicious link by text message and tricked into downloading and installing the malicious app, which masquerades as a legitimate branded telco or messaging app from outside of the App Store, end quote. And the CISA and U.S. Coast Guard Cyber Command are warning companies of log4shell exploits that it has found out in the wild, citing one incident of threat actors exfiltrating over 130 gigabytes of data. Quoting the record, 
As part of this exploitation, suspected APT actors implanted loader malware on compromised systems with embedded executables enabling remote command and control, the agency explained. In one confirmed compromise, these APT actors were able to move laterally inside the network, gain access to a disaster recovery network, and collect and exfiltrate sensitive data, end quote. In the second incident detailed in the alert, CISA said it was forced to conduct an on-site incident response engagement. During the attack, which began in late April and continued through May, CISA said it discovered the organization had been, quote, compromised by multiple threat actor groups. One of the groups had been in the organization's network since January and may have been inside even earlier, according to CISA, which added that it gained access by exploiting Log4Shell in an unpatched VMware Horizon server. By January 30th, one of the groups began using PowerShell scripts and eventually managed to move laterally to other production environment hosts and servers. The group was able to then use compromised administrator accounts to run a loader malware, end quote. What was I saying about Groundhog Day? Another bridge has been hacked. Quoting Cointelegraph, The Horizon Bridge to the Harmony Layer 1 blockchain has been exploited for $100 million in altcoins, which are being swapped for Ether. The hack may vindicate previously raised community concern about the robustness of two of four multi-sig that reportedly secures the bridge. Starting at about 7.08 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 7.26 a.m., 11 transactions were made from the bridge for various tokens. They have since begun sending tokens to a different wallet to swap for ETH on the Uniswap decentralized exchange, then sending the ETH back to the original wallet. The Horizon Bridge facilitates token transfers between Harmony and the Ethereum network, Binance Chain, and Bitcoin. Harmony, the operator of the bridge, announced late on Thursday that the bridge has been halted. It said the BTC bridge and its assets have not been affected by the attack. The Harmony team also said it was working with national authorities and forensic specialists to determine who was responsible. A postmortem is sure to follow, end quote. And headlines like this are suddenly common. Amazon wants you to know that it too has an AI code writer, officially launching Code Whisperer, a GitHub Copilot-like AI pair programming tool, in preview within the AWS IDE toolkit supporting Java, JavaScript, and Python. Quoting TechCrunch, it's now available in preview as part of the AWS IDE toolkit, which means developers can immediately use it right inside their preferred IDEs, including Visual Studio Code, IntelliJ IDEA, PyCharm, WebStorm, and Amazon's own AWS Cloud9. Support for the AWS Lambda console is also coming soon. Ahead of today's announcement, Vasi Filiman, Amazon's VP in charge of its AI services, stressed that the company didn't simply create this in order to offer a copy of Copilot. He noted that with CodeGuru, its AI code reviewer and performance profiler, and DevOps Guru, its tool for finding operation issues, the company laid the groundwork for today's launch quite a few years ago. Quote, I think the technology is at a point where we thought it was the right time to do it. Philemon said, and it fits nicely with the other pieces that they have. It's been a journey, and we've just done different parts at different times, end quote. This might be stepping on Longreads territory just a bit, but Bloomberg has a long piece out outlining how TikTok is starting to cash in on its exploding popularity. Sources say that TikTok plans to grow its e-commerce gross merchandise volume to $2 billion this year and then $23 billion in 2023. That's quite the ramp up. Talk about turning on the money machine. Grok these quotes. 
TikTok raked in nearly $4 billion in revenue in 2021, mostly from advertising, and is projected to hit $12 billion this year, according to the research firm eMarketer. That would make it bigger than Twitter and Snap combined, three years after it started accepting ads on the platform. It's definitely a threat to Google and Facebook, said Peter John de Kroon, chief executive officer of the online ad firm Entrovision Media Donuts. TikTok is starting to command a percentage of the media budget that's more in line with its audience size, end quote. Alphabet's Google and Facebook, now meta platforms, are the giants of online advertising, a duopoly so powerful they have been hit with antitrust complaints in the U.S., the U.K., and European Union. TikTok and parent ByteDance is shaping up to be the most serious threat to that chokehold since the pair rose to power over the past two decades. With a billion monthly active users, TikTok is still smaller than Facebook at 2.9 billion users and Instagram at around 2 billion users, also part of Meta. Yet TikTok's programming is proving unusually compelling. Its average user in the U.S. now spends around 29 hours a month with the service, more than Facebook at 16 hours a month and Instagram at 8 hours a month put together, according to mobile researcher Data.ai, end quote. Read the whole thing to get the best single deep dive I've seen outlining our new TikTok overlords. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com slash 
slash techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash techmeme. ZocDoc dot com slash techmeme. Time for the Weekend Long Reads proper. And given the crypto winner that has descended across the land, I find it interesting that pieces like these are popping up. First, you might have seen online that Pecky McCormick got some serious shade from people for being caught on a podcast, unable in the moment to articulate a clear use case for crypto, at least in the mortgage space, I think it was, to be fair. So he has a new piece out that is literally like, three tangible use cases of Web3 today. It takes him thousands of words to get to it, but he name-checks NFTs, decentralized exchanges, the wireless network Helium, and also talent marketplaces like Braintrust. He also name-checks a piece from Evan Conrad called Where Are All the Crypto Use Cases? So that's the second piece in the show notes. Evan says crypto may be more bad than good, right now at least, but it has use cases like cutting out middlemen via decentralization, so the claim that it has no use cases is not rational. Quote, a blockchain is an escrow without a third party. That is the use case. It lets you surrender control of some data to a computer that no one has control over. Because no one has control over it, you can have it keep track of a ledger and create money, create marketplaces that don't charge rent, and companies that are controlled by everyone. For example, say you attempted to create Filecoin without crypto. You instead need to route the money through a bank somewhere. Whoever controls that bank controls Filecoin and has an incentive to charge money on every transaction. As more people use the marketplace, centralized Filecoin's network effect would grow, making it harder and harder for anyone to compete and remove centralized Filecoin's cut. Decentralized Filecoin has the same network effect, but the value accrues to the protocol, making it harder and harder over time for any single party to extract rent. Thus, Filecoin becomes the cheapest possible commodity market with no single intermediary taking a cut. In other words, crypto's use case is the one that it claims, decentralization. Its use case is to cut out middlemen, break up monopolies, and fight aggregators. It's certainly not the case that crypto is entirely useless." End quote. This Washington Post piece answers a question I've certainly had. Why hasn't the war in Ukraine unleashed just a tsunami of hacks and exploits? Maybe because a quiet partnership between U.S. tech companies, U.S. and NATO intel agencies, and Ukrainian hackers helped blunt Russia's offensive cyber capabilities. Quote, Russia's cyber reversals haven't resulted from lack of trying. Microsoft counts nearly 40 Russian destructive attacks between February 23rd and April 8th, and Rob Joyce, the National Security Agency's cybersecurity director, said the Russians had attempted an enormous cyber offensive. But Ukraine, working with private tech companies, Western intelligence, and its own expert software engineers, has quickly fixed most of the damage. The Ukrainians have gotten really good at repairing networks says Dmitry Alperovich, a Russian-born cybersecurity expert who co-founded CrowdStrike. When a network gets wiped, they rebuild it in several hours, end quote. The close partnerships that have emerged between U.S. technology companies and Western cybersecurity agencies is one of the unheralded stories of the war. A White House cyber official explains the new cooperative approach this way, quote, Where companies see destructive attacks, that has driven partnerships with the intelligence community and other government agencies to see how best we can share information to protect infrastructure around the world, end quote. Then in the journal, our friend Chris Mims says that self-driving cars might still be a ways away, but self-driving trucks, self-driving highway big rigs, they're coming soon, quote. 
Some of the companies involved say they will have the first trucks without drivers in the cab on America's highways by the end of next year. Those include Aurora, which has partnerships with FedEx and Werner Enterprises, and Too Simple, which has joined up with UPS and Ryder. When it gains widespread traction, robot trucking will have big implications for how we move goods around America and for the companies and people involved in that process. For starters, it could help alleviate a chronic shortage of drivers who are retiring faster than they can be replaced, leading to what the American Trucking Association's claim is a historic shortage of 80,000 drivers. Here's the promise of robot trucks. While full self-driving in all conditions is still a pipe dream, engineers seem to be close to achieving it in limited circumstances, such as on highways on clear days. And highway driving in good weather happens to be exactly the context in which long-haul trucks operate for a substantial portion of the time. One reason for that, highways are what Aurora Chief Executive Chris Urmson calls self-similar. Quote, another way to put it is that a bit of freeway in Texas looks very much like a bit of freeway in Phoenix or Minnesota, says Mr. Urmson, a former faculty member at Carnegie Mellon University and Google executive who co-founded Aurora in 2017. The similarity is good for the artificial intelligence technology that underpins self-driving, which can be great at handling things it has seen before and terrible at adapting to situations that are novel. Anyone who has tried GM's Super Cruise, Nissan's Pro Pilot Assist, or Tesla's Autopilot system has experienced this firsthand. Highways also have the virtue of being relatively free of pedestrians, bicyclists, animals, and children chasing after balls, and they tend to be well-marked and well-maintained. Highways in southwestern states where the weather is generally good are where autonomous trucking companies are currently testing their systems, carrying real loads for actual clients like FedEx and UPS, albeit with safety drivers behind the wheel in case the AI systems make a mistake, which they still do, end quote. And finally today, this is complicated stuff that is way beyond my ken, but the game Townscaper has been one of my favorite games over the last year by far, and if you've ever played it, you might enjoy this deep dive into the rather complicated design that makes the game so serendipitously fun by using procedural content generation. Quote, First released on PC and Mac in June of 2020, Townscaper is, by Stahlberg's own admission, more of a toy than a game. It does not have any explicitly defined objectives, and instead, you are left to craft towns based on your own design principles. Players have a very limited number of interactions, you can decide where a block is added or removed, and you can customize the color of the blocks you place, and that's it. Everything else that you see is achieved courtesy of the game's procedural generation system. This creates what we would typically consider to be a mixed-initiative AI system, meaning that the player gives input to where the game needs to expand the structure, and the system assesses the current shape, identifies what pre-built chunks of architecture are valid for that space, and then injects them into the game world. Despite this lack of direct control, the system is highly flexible and can handle a myriad of different scenarios that players can come up with, resulting in a variety of fun, interesting, and aesthetically varied settlements. And it's the simplicity in gameplay combined with the game's bright, abstract, yet detailed aesthetic that has led to Townscaper transcending boundaries, developing a huge following across social media that has captured the imaginations of many who don't typically play video games. The secret to Townscaper's success is one that many aspiring and current game developers should reflect upon." End quote. So our Twitter space last night was all over the place. Chris and I both basically emptied our notebooks of stories that have fallen through the cracks recently, under-discussed stories that maybe the show needs to do more to cover, and also I revealed my long-term commitment that I recently made to a cloud provider 
which means that I can no longer title my show files or add files with forward slashes. It's all explained in the space. We'll go live tomorrow. Enjoy. And hopefully you ad-free subscribers now have your missing episodes. Supercast assures me that things are working again. Fingers crossed. And don't worry, those of you who got in touch last night and implored me, I do plan to keep the ad-free option alive, despite all the frustration you heard in my voice yesterday. I know you value it, so it's not going anywhere. Talk to you on Monday.